No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where Job laments against the sons of fools who mock him and rise up against him. He also mourns over the great affliction he suffers internally. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Job chapter 30 on Simply the Bible. You know, sometimes life can leave us in the pits for a while, sometimes a long while. And at such times, minutes seem like hours, hours seem like days, and so forth. Job had been suffering a long while with no end in sight. He had cried out to God for relief or understanding or a response or something. Is anybody up there? But all he heard was the accusations of his friends. And as we shall see today, the mockings of others. Therefore, Job lets loose in what is the second of his personal laments. Now, chapter 30 is really a response to chapter 29. And in chapter 29, Job recalled the good old days when he was respected, blessed, helped. He had a hopeful future and a useful ministry. But that was then and this is now. Now Job is imprisoned in his present agony. We continue in Job chapter 30. But now they mock at me, men younger than I, whose fathers I disdain to put with the dogs of my flock. Indeed, what profit is the strength of their hands to me? Their vigor has perished. They are gaunt from want and famine, fleeing late to the wilderness, desolate and waste, who pluck mallow by the bushes and broom tree roots for their food. They were driven out from among men. They shouted at them as a thief. They had to live in the clefts of the valleys, in caves of the earth and the rocks. Among the bushes they brayed, under the nettles they nestled. They were sons of fools, yes, sons of vile men. They were scourged from the land. Now, earlier Job had been respected by the young men when he went to the city gate, but now these young people, these sons of fools, as Job calls them here, are mocking him. Now, Job was well acquainted with their fathers, and he wouldn't even trust them to watch the dogs of his flock. He wouldn't make them watchmen of his sheepdogs. And why not? Because they couldn't be trusted. They were of no profit. They had no vigor. They were undernourished because they roamed around seeking whatever edible vegetation they could find. They were impoverished because of their choices. They were social outcasts because nobody trusted them. Now, I can sort of relate to this in that years ago, we were given some mobile office buildings that we decided we'd put on our property and make into our church building as soon as we could. Well, we didn't have the money to actually do it, and the county finally told us, you need to get rid of those things, and so we had to demolish them. And uh, where do you find the labor force to do that? I found some people that were willing to do it for just the cost of the, the scavenged materials. If they could just keep that, then they would dismantle it for us. So I said, okay, well, it became very clear to me very early on that this was probably uh, going to drug money. And at one point, I had given them my 
uh, generator to use for their power tools and they somebody stole it. So I had to go retrieve that and it was just a mess. <laughs> I would never hire them again. Uh, it was one of those things they helped us and I guess I helped them, uh, but it wasn't exactly the person you'd really want to hire or trust with your daughter. Um, <laughs> that's for sure. So these are the kinds of people that Job knew. He knew who they were and now he sees their sons and he calls them sons of fools and they are just mocking him. They, th- their fathers were homeless, not because they were underprivileged, but because they squandered every opportunity they'd been given. They were destitute, not by unfortunate circumstances, but by their choices. They brayed like donkeys. They slept beneath nettles, which were stinging prickly plants that had become their shelter. They themselves were sons of fools who were driven out of the land, and now their sons, which would be the third generation, are mocking Job. I mean, it just doesn't get much worse than that. Now, formerly, these young men probably honored Job when he went to the city gate, but now we see their true colors. They didn't respect Job because of his character and integrity. Rather, they were opportunists who had hoped to benefit from Job's wealth and favor But we see here that their respect had been hypocritical. And now I am their taunting song. Yes, I am their byword. They abhor me. They keep far from me. They do not hesitate to spit in my face because he has loosed my bowstring and afflicted me. They have cast off restraint before me. So these sons of fools now sung about Job in a derogatory way. And now among their friends to become a Job referred to someone utterly cursed and worthless. So Job was a byword among them. Once they courted Job's favor, but now they kept far away, not wanting anything to do with this loser. And finally, they spat in his face. You know, there's nothing more demeaning than having someone spit in your face to compound the misery of this, think about how long it probably had been since they brushed their teeth. <laughs> and it wasn't just saliva they were spitting. I have a feeling that these guys all lived on Mount Wanahakalugi, uh, to coin a phrase from Finding Nemo. This would have been miserable. Whereas before the bow was renewed in Job's hand, an idiom that he used in chapter 29 for his masculine strength. Now God had loosened Job's bowstring, leaving him weak and useless. And now Job makes a play on words here, for he says the sons of these fools have loosened their restraint in their ridicule of him. Now all of this foreshadows the sufferings of Christ. Job didn't understand this, obviously, at the time. But if we look at Matthew 27, it says that the Romans, when they had twisted a crown of thorns, and put it on Jesus' head, and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spat on him. They took the reed and struck him on the head. So Job's sufferings were looking forward to the sufferings of Christ. Verse 12, At my right hand the rabble arises. They push away my feet, and they raise Against me, their ways of destruction. They break up my path. They promote my calamity. They have no helper. 
They come as broad breakers. Under the ruinous storm, they roll along. Terrors are turned upon me. They pursue my honor as the wind, and my prosperity has passed like a cloud. And so Job had very little honor left, and yet they sought to blow it away like the wind would blow away the leaves. Now my soul is poured out because of my plight. The days of affliction take hold of me. My bones are pierced in me at night and my gnawing pains take no rest. So here the suffering just seems to be going on and on. By great force, my garment is disfigured. It binds me about as the collar of my coat. You know, I just think of a, just a bad night's sleep when you wake up and the, the sheets sort of wrapped around your neck. That's the way he felt his garments were disfigured around him. He has cast me into the mire and I've become like dust and ashes. Oh, terrible, agonizing stuff. I cry out to you, but you do not answer me. I stand up and you regard me, but you have become cruel to me. With the strength of your hand, you oppose me. You lift me up to the wind and cause me to ride on it. You spoil my success for I know that you will bring me to death and to the house appointed for all living. So now Job is crying out to God. He's speaking to God directly here. I cry out to you, but you do not answer me. So Job was just crying out in the darkness, not understanding why all of this was coming upon him. And even when he cried out to God, God, if I've done something wrong, show me. There was no answer. And that's tough. But I think... Another way to look at this is that God, who loved Job and was watching him suffer, could not intervene yet. And that is difficult. If you're a parent and you're watching your child suffer and you can't do anything about it, well, God couldn't do anything about it because he had to let this test be fulfilled. He had to let the suffering accomplished its work in Job as he was tested and God could prove that Job truly was the blameless man that God said that he was. But from Job's perspective, why wasn't God answering him? He didn't understand. And so he said, you lift me up to the wind and cause me to ride on it. You spoil my success. You've blown all of my prosperity away and now I know I'm destined for death. Now that wasn't really true. Job wasn't going to die, but he had no way of knowing that. And so, there again, Job was suffering in the darkness, not understanding why it seemed that God had forsaken him. But again, this foreshadowed Jesus as he cried out from the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Verse 24, Surely he would not stretch out his hand against a heap of ruins if they cry out when he destroys it. Have I not wept for him who is in trouble? Has not my soul grief for the poor? But when I looked for good, evil came to me. And when I waited for light, then came darkness. My heart is in turmoil and cannot rest. Days of affliction confront me. And so he doesn't understand. Look, God, didn't I cry out for those who were in trouble? I wept for them when I saw them. But, you know, God, why aren't you doing that for me now? You see, I go about mourning, but not in the sun. I stand up in the assembly and cry out for help. I am a brother of jackals and a companion of ostriches. Job feels that he has more in common with these desert creatures than with humanity. 
My skin grows black and falls from me. My bones burn with fever. My harp is turning to mourning and my flute to the voice of those who weep. All he can do is, is sing a funeral dirge at this point. Now again, this looks forward to the sufferings of Christ. It also speaks to those who are suffering over a long period of time now, a time of darkness that they don't understand. You know, we, we have been kind of going through something like that with this coronavirus. And as we don't know why it's happening and we don't understand what it all means, sort of like what Job was going through, being in darkness, crying out, not necessarily getting any answers. But you know, in those moments, we have these words of James, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. That's the amazing thing is that just as in the life of Job, God was working the patience in his life to bring him to completion, to have the perfect work in Job. And God does the same things for us in those times of darkness. When we cry out and we're not hearing anything, we don't know why. But one thing we can cry out for is that God would give us wisdom in those times. And we are promised here that God will give us wisdom. You just got to pray and ask and believe. And the Lord will give you the wisdom you need to walk through it as long as the lesson must endure. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please contact us through our website. Tomorrow, we'll see where Job concludes his long speech with calling for judgment against himself if he has sinned against God. He cries out for God to answer him. What a wonderful example Job is to us of a blameless life. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of Job on Simply the Bible. Simply the Bible.